It's it's a rogue. Shoot, what's it called? I was gonna say dark elf, but that's not right. Drow. Drow elf. Yes. Oh, okay. That's my dirge character. Actually, I'm playing a male drow because they are drow are considered evil and men are considered subservient. Um, it's a, a drow or matriarchal society. So like he's he's like a weak willed simp boy that in his head just has like <laughs> kill them all, kill them all, and I'm like I don't want to kill them all. Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that says dot, dash, 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 dot, dash, dash. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared's thinking really hard about this. Isn't that SOS? It is not SOS. Okay. But it is, it is a three-letter word. What is it? You have to look it up later. I, I, no. <laughs> you can't do this to me. Oh, but I can. I will hyper focus on it for the entire episode. Jared, how you doing? How is how is your week? I now know nothing but trying to figure <laughs> out Morse code. Uh no, my week was good. It was slow in the beginning of the week and then it all just kind of ramped up into like the last 2 days that has been complete and utter chaos in a good way. I I have a lot of exciting things going on, so We like chaos sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I also like had to fight with the idea of uh, capitalism again, but that's a that's a horror that plagues us all. That's a never ending process. It sure is. How about you, Stephen? I had a very interesting week. Yeah, you told me that your body and voice hurt, but you haven't. You said you <laughs> wouldn't tell me until we were recording. Yeah, so I've been working on this thing for a little while. I emceed an event on Friday. Duh. Okay, Monopoly man. Yeah, so I was the monopoly man like hosting an event it's a charity fundraiser they were raising money for gastrointestinal cancer and i don't think i don't think we should be on the side of gastrointestinal cancer no that's not it's, it's okay <laughs> cancer research there please continue i'm fucking around <laughs> i know you are and anyway was hosting it and the venue was not super great for hosting an event there was a main stage, but most of it was taken up by a DJ table. There was a second stage where most of it was taken up by a fake jail cell that you could put people in and buy them out. Oh, yeah, one of those. Yep. So I didn't really have a space to, like, host, which was tough. You, you could have done it from the jail cell. I did most of it from in front of the jail cell, okay. but it was still, there was maybe about a foot for me to stand on, which is not great. And most people weren't there to sit and listen to me, which sure. is fine. But And also you're clumsy, so a foot is not enough space. <laughs> There's that. But the way that the, the speakers were facing, I got feedback pretty much anywhere I was. Oh, no. Yeah, it was awful. I hated it. So I was like spending the whole night trying to figure out the best angle to not make awful noise anyway i was also using like a mr monopoly kind of a voice and i made him british i don't know why but i thought it was fun no that feels right yeah for an american capitalist game though yeah it still feels right it still it's feels right either that or i think the only thing that'd be better than like posh british is the mid-atlantic dialect mm, yeah Ah, buy our stocks now! I thought about that too, but I, I could definitely hit the the British one for longer. Sure. And I felt I felt myself slipping out of the other one. So I was like, we're going with the British. Anyway, I was doing that for five hours, so the voice was really tired. Oh my god, that's so long. Yeah. And then by the end I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I'm the voice is done. I just I'm gonna go home and go to bed. Well, the problem is I had coworkers who were attending this event and they're like Steven, are you coming out to the after party with us? I'm like, no, I, I, I can't do it. Like, I've I've put in the work today. I'm, I'm good. And they're like, ah, come on. It's going to be fun. And I was like, really? Steven, <laughs> you are the easiest person to peer pressure. To the I, point that I, like, when I am inviting you to things, I have to check myself <laughs> and be like, am I asking him something that he will feel like he doesn't want to say no to? To the point that I had to bully you on the podcast <laughs> to not come to D&D. No, but it was, it was going to be, I was on the edge and I was like, okay, I do want to go. Maybe I'll just like be chill and hang out with people. It's an after party for a fundraiser. We're probably just going to a bar and like, we'll just have drinks and hang out. 
Well, guess what, Jared? We went to a club. Hell yeah. I accidentally rocked cool. up to a club, like a club where I walked in and they had to frisk me down first. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm in for here. That kind of makes sense with the people that you work with that you'd end up at a club. Like the, the pe- like, I mean, like the professions that they work in, like mm-hmm. in your office. Yeah. It was, it definitely seemed like a work hard, play hard kind of a situation. Yeah. But even still, the people that were there were very uncomfortable because it, it did seem like a drastic shift in what we were doing going from, all right, raise money for the cancer research. We're clubbing. See, I, and like, so for those of you that don't know Steven in real life, he he's a great dancer, Ooh. but he's also a little socially awkward in a situation like this. So I'm curious which one won out. Like a club is not your environment, mm-hmm. but you love dancing. So the socially awkward won out, but it's because my coworkers were not into the dancing. Okay. If I was like, all right, let's just do it and dance, it would have been fine. But this is also like the place where there was bottle service going around. Oh my God bartenders in spandex leotards were being carried in a fake car over to an event where cold sparks shot out of cannons and they popped off a bottle. And this I'm like, sounds so fun. It was nuts. I'm going to show you a video here real quick of just how crazy it was. And you won't be able to see this podcast. I'm just like, this is a lot. So, I love that. So with an iPhone, when you take a photo or a video, it'll say like where it is. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't need to see that it said River North. I knew it was in River North. <laughs> From the moment you said I went to a club, I was like, cool, it's in River North. Correct. The place where people go to do cocaine. <laughs> That's actually tamer than I thought it would be in my head, but it's it looks very fun. It's still crazy. Don't get me wrong. That was probably the tamest part of the night. Okay. Yeah, because we were all focused on the thing that was happening. We got to get you to a music festival. Who, like a several-day music festival. I said this to Michaela today, but I need those earphone things that filter out music because my ears yes. were absolutely destroyed. No, I mean, that's... Yeah, earplugs at things like that are 100% necessary. And yep. like people that... People will be like, that's like an old person thing to do. No, that... It doesn't matter how old you are. You should wear earplugs if it's that fucking loud. I was there for two minutes, and my watch was like, your environment is way too loud. You need to chill. And your body hurts from that? Body hurts from just, like, I, I went from five working. Five hours of hosting. I went from working to five hours of hosting to clubbing. I was on for, like, 18 hours straight. Wow. It was it was a lot. In the club. Speaking of things that are on for 18 hours straight, your emails. If you want to email us, feel free to do so. I just registered. You said the club. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to email us, feel free to do so. SurvivorTBT at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Reddit, u slash SurvivorTBT. So we have emails. We have a lot of emails, and we're not going to get to them all. But I want to catch up from both last season's finale and the first couple episodes here. First email from Carl, the... Episode 13 Vanuatu email. Oh my god, okay. I know, right? I'm actually curious to know what the missing content from season 10... I think we figured it out. We did, it was yeah. the It's the singing The singing. Songs. Jeff is now 62, oh so god. he'd have been like 43 at the time of Vanuatu. They had a 19-year age difference, Ooh. which for rich and famous people, that's not too bad. I don't love that. 43 is a little old. And like what, whoever or whatever, it, we're judging outside. We don't know their dynamic, but the power dynamic and the age difference, <laughs> a little, a little sus. The okay, he sent a photo, and taking a photo of someone who is about to kiss is never like a good one. No, but this does not look. <laughs> this is not great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 the couple kissing, and they just I don't want to see people tongues about like touching other people's tongues open mouth yeah okay looked it up and eliza is indeed jewish well done jared all right lex from africa slash all stars was inspired by the volcano scene to actually go to vanuatu himself and see the same thing where he was hired by the country's tourism board to promote travel to the country (laughs) so lex is just gonna stay survivor adjacent forever huh yeah lex (laughs) the tourism head for Vanuatu. I, I do have to say, though, like if I was in Lex's shoes, I'd probably end up doing something similar because like you have probably a good amount of money at it's, this point. It's cool. And, like the travel bug would probably bite me. 
celebrities have done crazier things for other countries. I think there was a oh, what's his name? Like the the really serious actor uh he was in Men in Black. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Okay. I don't remember the name. He there's a commercial where he's like uh, it's like a, a Japanese food commercial where it's so over the top and he is just straight faced and I'm like oh man there's also I mean Dennis Rodman going to North Korea there is that but that I don't I don't know that that was for money I think no no that was was diplomatic but weird it's diplomatic and he's just eccentric yeah yeah I I would be interested talking to Dennis Rodman sure I don't know that I would get a whole lot out of it I like crazy people I don't know that I actually do Chris actually went on to say that this was a pretty easy choice, despite how it looks in the episode. He knew Julie was dangerous and that he probably wouldn't beat her in a final two, Mm. on top of the fact that Eliza would never, ever vote for Twyla or Scout. I, then I kind of wish he wouldn't have like played with her heart so much that if he, if he knew, like, I wish it would have been a little more straightforward and I think that would have also helped him. It would have, would have helped him not to lead her on and also like been better like it would have been better morally and for the game so like i don't that i don't get it yeah but whatever at the time chris received a ton of flack for lying cruelly to julie which always seemed a bit ridiculous to me that she lied to him in the first place when she voted out rory jeff might have held the biggest grudge out of everyone though well yeah that makes sense yeah and also now i can kind of see why they didn't play up julie and chris's relationship more if that's how it ends mm-hmm. yeah yeah things i liked are you hungry for a banana, little one? God, how did Eliza never just slap Scout? Dude, the condescension would have driven me up a fucking wall. <laughs> Chris getting his stories mixed up with Eliza, like when they're sitting in the rocks and Chris says, if we do this, we're good to the final three. Eliza corrects him saying to the final two. And Chris recovers so clumsily. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> The scene from the pick in the episode that I didn't show Jared, but I will. Twyla catching Chris talking to Eliza, and after her cat fight with Eliza, she asks Chris what his role was in the conversation. He's just like, what? I'm just laying here, you know? I'm in the hammock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of that one. Thank you, Carl. Moving on to Tyler. Julie appeared in Chris's segment for Survivor Winners, Where Are They Now, in 2009. Huh. And so did Chad, but obviously I couldn't mention that back when he got voted out. She also became a producer for Dancing with the Stars. Oh, cool. In 2018, she and a contestant from The Bachelorette set a Guinness World Record by traveling the world in 92 hours, making a stop on every continent. She is also the godmother of a child of the a future Survivor winner. And fun fact, a future Survivor contestant was one of her high school teachers. Oh, cool. Wow. Fun. Okay. Thank you, Tyler. Oh, also more from Tyler. Scout was apparently approached about doing season 40 before it became the all-winner season. Okay. But obviously, she declined. That would be... She's like... She would have been 74 at the time. Did they not watch All-Stars and see what happened to Rudy? (laughs) It'd been a while since All-Stars. Maybe things would be different. 74 is 74. (laughs) Twyla was cast in... Micronesia when it was going to be All-Stars 2, but was cut when it was changed to fans versus favorites. Okay. And the entire cast of Vanuatu attended the Survivor 10-year anniversary party in 2010. Okay. I want to show a clip of Johnny Fairplay. Oh, sorry. This is something that I don't remember if I mentioned or not. Johnny Fairplay and Twyla partnered up on Fear Factor. You, yes. Yeah. I mentioned it? Okay. I think so. I think early in the season it was like, this is the person that Johnny Fairplay paired up with. Yeah. They were very... It, it was a weird combination, and they kind of anti- antagonized each other. More so, Johnny Fairplay antagonized Twyla, and Twyla was just like, oh my God, this guy. It was pretty funny. All in all. Nice. Big fan. And moving on to... Yeah, let's do a couple more. Let's do Carl's finale email. I knew Jared would come around to this season. For my money, one of the best post-merges ever with so many layers of complexity. Yeah. Twyla is probably in my top 10 contestants of all time for this reason. And knowing her hardworking background makes her finale speech hit even harder. Even when she talks to Sarge, the simple, you don't understand, gives me chills. Yeah. Yeah. No, I Twyla is excellent. 
the picture of the episode is the two in the hammock before it crashes down to earth. Nice. Note, this was the first season the jury wasn't sequestered, and Amy led a big movement to get the women to vote for Twyla so that the Women's Alliance could say it succeeded. Apparently, some of the partially, uh, some of them were partially convinced, but Chris did a good enough job to sway them. It's a good final tribal, and I also think that the Women's Alliance still succeeded. I don't think you have, like, who ends up being the overall winner doesn't define a successful alliance to me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Probst was pretty aggressive toward Chris at the reunion, taking every chance he could get to call him a liar, and he apparently apologized to Chris years later for this. Even so, he more or less reflected what the audience thought of him. He was a very unpopular winner who was viewed as a dirty liar who was cruel to Julie. See, there's the problem. is fascinating. I don't know that you come out with a winner there where... That people like? That audience is like, yeah, I that was the right choice. Because both were a little bit, like, not favored by the audiences. And yeah. neither of them were favored by the jury. That's for sure. It's interesting to me that people want non-controversial, for lack of a better term, winners. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sure, there are winners I don't like, but... There are very few winners, at least so far, that I feel like haven't really earned it, per se, or haven't had to work as hard as other winners or whatever. And, like, sure, like, Chris lied, but, ev- like, everyone on Survivor lies. Why are we still upset by season 10 that people lie? Again, until it comes around that, like, ah, uh, yes, you can play this game hard and deceive, and that's part of the game. I can almost understand people hating Johnny Fairplay or Twyla. I could see why they would see those those lies that they told out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I can see why. Mm-hmm. Chris's lie, none of his lies were, like, I think out of bounds. Like, unless at, by, at the end of the game, like, in life afterwards, he was like, fuck you, Julie, I hated you the whole time. Actually, you're dead to me. Like, I don't really see, like, I don't think he was manipulating her for a jury vote. I think he genuinely liked her. And wanted her vote. Both things can be true. And again, you do kind of have to manipulate the jury a little yeah. bit. Like you gotta, you gotta do what you have to do to win this game. And then you walk away. You say, oh, "I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but it was a game." And he handled it better than Boss and Rob did. <laughs> Even in the early two- 2010s, he would get people cursing him out at fan signing events. Jesus, a la Johnny Fairplay. No one even did a single interview with him for years because of his unpopularity. That's crazy to me. Rob has a podcast turned down the chance to interview him because he was an unpopular winner from an unpopular and, at the time, largely forgotten season. As with the rest of the season, he his popularity has largely turned around and people generally, but not universally, hold him in higher regard now. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Also interesting to me that I mean, I don't. I haven't listened to Rob has a podcast. Obviously, interesting that they would want to not interview a a, a disliked winner because, like, that seems like it would make good and interesting content to hear that hear their side of the story. Especially for a podcast, if if this was a television thing where your time is limited and you have to like pick and choose what you want to show, I'd be like, okay, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. For a podcast, you could put out as much or as little as you want. Yeah, Chris, and- we'll have you on anytime. Anytime, yeah, Chris, you want to come on and talk to us, you're in. It, let's we, do it. I mean, really, we have an open-door policy for any Survivor contestant that has not committed sex crimes. That is true. <laughs> That's a low bar, but here we are. But it needs to be said because there's it's multiple. <laughs> Weirdly, for as unpopular as the season was, it came out before Marquesas in Africa on DVD. Huh. Yeah, you forget that there was a time before, like, DVD box sets were a thing. I kind of just assumed every season came out on DVD after it was done airing, but I guess not. Well, because, like, right when it started, the DVD wasn't really a popular format, and I don't think DVD box sets emerged until probably around 2003, 2004. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I don't know. Crank as much out as you can once you're like, ah, yes, this show is popular. Here we go. Maybe because of all this vitriol toward Chris, Twyla became fully convinced that she should have won the season. Mm. She talked about it so much on the DVD recording for the season uh, when they all get together and do the DVD commentary. They all had an impromptu vote session to see who would win this time, and Scout switched to Chris because she was so sick of hearing Twyla talk about it. Oh, my God. 
This was all according to Chris for what that's worth. Okay. Interesting. Tough tough to say with you're like, okay, it's coming back around secondhand on a thing that like nobody else was there for. Yeah. Chris also affirmed that no one was better at subtly getting under people's skin than Scout. However, he also said she was the only player he was scared of because she was smarter and meaner than everyone else. Mm, There's a solid chance she could have won against Twyla. People were so mad at her. Maybe. Yeah. And I think it, there's something to be said. I know you don't want to hold someone like, ah, they're old and they made it to the end. They should win. But there's something to be said for outlasting all of these younger people and making it, getting your body across that finish line. I guess. She still she still feels like a goat to me. Although, who knows? She is smart and she is mean. And maybe she could have a final tribal that would push her over the edge, like in a good way, that that set her over the top. I just, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put money on it. Chris's red wife beater is pretty iconic, but apparently he didn't even choose to wear it. Production handed it to him and told him, you will wear this, intending him to kind of be a bumbling redneck character. Oh, that's dumb. I love that these things turned out so much differently than expected. Yeah. I love when production gets involved and then they look like idiots because of it. Well, I wonder also, too, if what we're not hearing there is that he wore, he wore a shirt that had, like, a graphic they couldn't put on TV on it. That could be. And we're like, hey, this is your outfit now because we can't air that logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They explicitly told Chris and Twyla to respectfully shake hands and to not swear when the votes were read. For posterity's sake, Chris yelled, fuck yeah. that's that's where the beep is and then listen to a recent chris interview where he said the producers hadn't even decided it was going to be men versus women until the locals split them up at the ceremony okay yeah that make that tracks and they just decided to roll with it i 100 percent believe that and that was something we talked about in the first episode of like i don't think this was planned yeah someone compared eliza's jury speech with helen's from thailand and they're almost exactly the same shot for shot even down to the poses of the two women strike Ooh, okay. Interesting. Thank you. There, Like I said, there's a lot of good information there, and we still have a good chunk of emails, but I wanted to... I think we should get onto the episode, because cool. we... I think this was a good episode. This was a good episode. Yeah. All right. Bumper. All right, so this episode came out on February 24th of 2005, meaning the first episode of the season came out on February 17th of 2005. I pulled a few things that happened in the months between seasons. Honestly, not a long break. Vanuatu finished airing in December of 2004, early December, and this airs in late February. So really not that long between them. The first thing, and the one that I like we just barely missed, was December 26th, Indian Ocean earthquake of 9.1 to 9.3 magnitude shakes northern sumatra with a maximum i don't know what mercalli intensity of nine violent uh it's a shaky shaky big shaky shaky and then one of the largest observed tsunamis follows i remember the news of this tsunami Mm -hmm. i think it was the boxing day tsunami is what it's called i'll Um, take your word for it yeah hitting thailand india sri lanka somalia maldives malaysia Myanmar, bangladesh and indonesia killing 22 7000 people yeah for for reference, I know two tsunamis in my life, that one and the one that hit Japan that almost caused a nuclear explosion. Yep, same. And I remember it being a really big deal and seeing the news and being like, I don't understand. It's water. Because oh. I was young and stupid. Yeah. Because I was 10 years old. Have you ever watched videos of them coming across? They're terrifying. Yeah, but as a 10-year-old, I was like, "Who? it's water. You yeah. just swim through it. Yeah. That's not how that works, folks. No. And then uh, on the at the end of the year, December 31st, Taipei 101, at the time the tallest skyscraper in the world, opened Jian GS, GS, not entirely sure, from Wisconsin, comes home from the hospital and officially becomes the first person to ever survive rabies without a vaccination. Whoa. That's crazy. There are only like four people that have ever done that. I don't know if you know this because I've worked in animal medicine, mm-hmm. so it comes up. By the time you are observing ra- uh, any rabies symptoms at late. all, you are already dead. It's too late. Yep. Yeah, that's why like, if if you're not sure, just 
go in and get the shots. And the shots are, are brutal, and I know that they are. Yeah, when I got bit by a cat without a rabies vaccine, they considered that, but it was so shallow, and the cat was an indoor-only cat that they just kept the cat in observation because mm. um, it, like, hardly broke skin. It was more of a scrape than anything else. But anyway, uh, and then George W. Bush is inaugurated for the second time. <laughs> the amount of sass that was read with. Ugh. North Korea announces that it, has, that it possesses nuclear weapons for the first time. And then on Valentine's Day of 2005, YouTube is launched. Ooh. Yeah. Do you remember early YouTube? Like, oh, the, yeah. The Wild West that was early YouTube. I miss it. It's It was kind of better. <laughs> it was kind of better. Well, and there was a, a point probably about four years into YouTube where it was still kind of a Wild West where people would just upload anything. Yeah. Where you could find entire episodes of, say, Survivor and just <laughs> watch it and nobody would care. I think the golden age of YouTube, in my opinion, is between the like the years of like 2011 and like 2015, where there were a lot of really good content creators that were just starting out and was getting big, but Google didn't own it, or at least wasn't like fucking with algorithms yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that window and I'm going to shift it just like a few years earlier when it was still a little Wild Westy. Fair. I also like that time, but I don't think it's the golden age. That's fair. Like for content, absolutely. Yeah. For just like, I don't know, I can find anything. That's what I liked. Fair. The number one song on the charts was Let Me Love You by Mario. You should let me love you. Yeah, yeah that one. The voice is tired. Never mind. The top five movies are Are We There Yet? Million Dollar Baby, Because of Win dixie Constantine, and the movie we'll be talking about today, Hitch. <laughs> okay. Steven, are you familiar with Hitch? I am familiar with Hitch. I have seen Hitch. It's been a while, but... Same. It's, it's uh, Will Smith... As a love guru kind yeah, of. Yeah, so dating coach Alex Hitch Hitchens, Will Smith, mentors a bumbling client, Albert Kevin James, who hopes to win the heart of the glorious Allegra Cole, Amber Valletta. While Albert makes progress, Hitchens faces his own romantic setbacks when proven techniques fail to work on Sarah Mellis, Eva Mendez, a tabloid reporter digging for dirt on Allegra Cole's love life. When Sarah discovers Hitchens' connection to Albert, now Allegra's boyfriend, it threatens to destroy both relationships. What do you think this is rated on Rotten Tomatoes? All right. I'm going to commit to the mid-bit here. It's going to be a 60 audience score and a 54 critic score. Okay, so two things. I did get this mixed when I picked it with Click. I thought this was Click. And then oh. I read the description. I was like, that is not Click. You were almost dead on audience scores. Hell yeah. 62%. Woo! The critics liked it more than the audiences, though. That is surprising to me. At a very nice 69%. Nice. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> all right, anything else? Uh, nope, that is all the cultural context for these first two episodes of Palau. Perfect. Then let us get into the episode. Episode two, Love is in the Air, Rats are Everywhere. Honestly, for that title... Not that many rats. Not that many rats. I was no. expecting more rats. No, and we opened the episode with the rats. We're at Karor, and everyone's freaking out about the rats. Yeah. They they don't have fire, which is part of the problem. Yeah. Um. Okay. Just let me on the recap real quick. Okay. Terrible twist. I know we talked about it last episode. I won't bring it up every episode, but just seeing the recap with them talking about it made it stick out even more to me. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, you didn't give anyone buffs for the first full day, which is kind of like I feel like survivor sacrilege like if you are playing survivor you have a buff yes and no we we play with that some more in the future okay not necessarily in this context but we sure. play with it in the future even the outcasts in Pearl Islands had their own buffs that is true so insane to me that they didn't have buffs at all so then I come into the logistical question of do the first two people that didn't get picked for tribes do they actually count as being participants they were never voted off. Yes, they do. And this is where a lot of the... If you ever go on like a Survivor wiki, the the language is important because you mm. look at it and they'll say, for this person, eliminated mm. instead of voted out. Sure. And I don't know. It's, it's a thin hair to point. But I guarantee you, though, Survivor was like, no, you didn't earn that buff. You don't get it. It's fucking stupid. So then they go on and they buy one from the... <laughs> from the cbs shop ah, i hate it so much i decided i did actually i do actually like the idol once okay. i got over the jump scare of like 
an idol being human form on Survivor mm-hmm. and all of the blackface that has come before. Yep. I saw it again. I went, I actually kind of like it. And the theme song slaps. I love the drums. Yeah. I love, I love the World War II theming overall. It's really growing on me. It's it's pretty cool. Anything else? Nope, that's it. Cool. Then, like you said, rats. And, Jared, what attracts rats? Uh, Food. Yeah. Maybe we don't leave our food right next to camp. Uh, What camp? <laughs> Good point. Because you decided to take the bad beach and basically lose the next reward by default because you're not sleeping. You don't have fire because you dropped your flint, which I guess you didn't know when you made the decision. Mm-hmm. It baffles me. I can, I, how did you... I, I know the thought process is something like, wow, what if there's an advantage over there? I mean, they don't know about advantages, like hidden immunity and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. it, by advantages, I mean like food, more food. I, they mentioned this episode, like the coconut trees were starting to run bare on that, on that part of the island, which I can't believe that that is true personally. And even if it is, okay, so you, so you bought yourself like three more days of coconuts, but you still have to build an entirely new shelter with less than half your people. Yeah. Like, like you said, the the only real reason I'd be like, yeah, let's do it, is if, one, you see potential for advantage, which doesn't exist yet, or two, you see the either the water well is way too far away, sure. the food resources are scarce, and you're like, I don't know, we'll take our chances somewhere else. But I don't know that we've seen enough of that, or they certainly didn't talk about that. Yeah, and there was no inclination that the beach that they started on was not a good beach. Yeah. And the shelter looks nice. Like, when we jump back to Oolong, like, the shelter's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Take, take advantage of the the 20-person built shelter. Yeah. Yep. So we wake up in the morning, and they're like, they they talk about this. They're like, it, it was a bad idea. Karen kind of gets on Tom that this this new island was a bad idea, and we kind of followed you on this one. And we we have to come to consensus as a team from now on. And Tom kind of denies it. He's like, no, 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 we, we, we did. We voted as a group, and we, I don't know. It kind of happened in a flash moment. What did you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, and I don't think there's, I don't think the episode will like really tells us. Mm-hmm. Like it happens so fast. I, if it seems like maybe there was from Tom's side, maybe a little bit of like, hey, should we do it? And maybe some people like nodded or like, yeah, 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 or whatever. I don't know. Body language. It, it felt like at the time that Tom made the decision, but nobody else spoke up either about being like, no. Yeah, I I agree. I think Tom was kind of the, the driving force, but no one, no one was contradicting him by any means. No one was like, no, we should really think about this. It, everyone seemed to jump on board. Yeah. And <laughs> Katie jumps in in a confessional like, we're here. Get over it, Karen. I mean, I, I also understand where Karen's coming from, <laughs> but Karen does go on about it a little too much. And Janu, girl, come in close. <laughs> I also don't like rats. I get it. That would freak me out. It's Survivor. You're going to see rats. You're going to see some rats. You're going to see some rats. It j- Just like if we're going to the Chicago uh, underground red line, you're going to see some rats. Yeah, I mean, I've seen more rats in Chicago than I have on camera and Survivor. That is true. You'll be fine. That is also <laughs> true. We jump over to Oolong and we have this moment where everyone's feeling good. We don't need no stinking leader. Like it's it's great. No one has to tell us what to do. So what do we do, guys? Yeah, the the way this episode starts is so wild to me because it feels like Karor lost the challenge yesterday. Like, it doesn't make any sense that Karor won the challenge. Like, Oolong's spirits are higher. <laughs> they are all happy that they voted out some the person that they voted out. Like, they're all, they're all content with that decision. Yeah. They all slept well. They have a nice shelter. And the other tribe is, like, hates one person or one of either Tom or Karen and is miserable. Mm-hmm. And they were the winners of that challenge. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a weird vibe check right now. So we'll come back to that. But yeah, now no one wants to lead yeah. on Karor because you chopped off the person that was leading. It's really funny because James is like, yeah, we're fine. We don't need a leader. So what do we do? And there's awkward silence for a good 10 seconds there. And the camera doesn't cut away, and that makes me really happy. Yeah, oh, that's great. I love James's confessional of like, we're Americans. 
We're going to do democracy. That's the very next quote yeah. on my bit. It was so good. I do want to know where James was on January 6th with that comment. We're but, Americans. Uh, that, then you have a collective action problem, James, because mm-hmm. then nobody does anything because committee is great. Collaboration is great. Somebody has to have ideas and direction and then get feedback and like sounding board. You can't just all be a miasma of nothing. <laughs> Why not, Jared? Because like, yeah, like we're a democracy in America. Well, kind of. We vote for someone or some ones to lead. We don't do direct democracy. We don't vote. You don't vote on what to name the post office. You vote on someone to vote on what to name the post office. So actually, what you, like that whole analogy doesn't work, James. That is true. That is true. We get past that, and we get to Angie. And Angie is, I'm, from from my perspective here, the protagonist of the episode. And it's hmm. we're gonna we're gonna move forward. But Angie's like, I am seen as a liability on my tribe. I need to figure something out here and make make myself valuable. Otherwise, I am gone. Next chance we go to tribal council. Flip to the reward challenge. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's really funny because I'm sure Jeff knew this beforehand. But when he's asking Karor, hey, how's it going? And he's like, yeah, we lost the, uh, we lost the flint. And his mouth was agape. Like, he was so shocked. I'm like, I... Either he's a really good actor, or I don't think he knew that. Like, I think maybe he knew they didn't have fire yet, but I don't know. That was, or like they did some editing fuckery where they told him that he didn't have, they didn't have Flint, or that they lost their Flint, and then they went, okay, cool, Jeff, ask the question so we can get the lead into that, mm-hmm. and then splice in your reaction, and then their answer, because I don't think Jeff knew that. It does look like a genuine shock from Jeff, like, so. J- like, his face is... Th- you fucking what? <laughs> I gave you a present and you lost it? You spent it already? You spent it already! <laughs> yeah, and he he's so funny in that moment. And then we get to the challenge, but I do want to talk about the example video once I explain what's going on here. So everyone has to cross a rope swing at least once. That's your bare minimum. But then you have to... Oh, I thought everyone had to get a flag. No, everyone has to cross oh, the rope swing. Okay. And that's why we harp on Katie for a long time. I call that the Boston Rob rule. Yes, exactly. Yep. That's exactly why that rule exists, so that you can't just jump into the sand, go back up, and let somebody else go. So you have to cross the rope swing, go across a spinning barrel section, and get... What was the last section? It was like a, a floating plank kind of a thing? Yeah, it was a, a, a bridge that yeah. went down into the water. While this is happening, two people from the other tribe get to throw sandbags at you, and there was also a spinning sandbag contraption that yes. seemed more or less useless. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the example video definitely has a shot of somebody get, getting hit in the nuts. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> Why? Why did we put that That's there? pretty funny. This challenge is brutal. Like, okay, first of all, we're just doing Wipeout. Correct. This is Wipeout. This is Wipeout. This is before Wipeout, but it's Wipeout. Yes. There are so many times those sandbags came so close to people's heads. Like, and their heads exposed, not like hitting the shoulder first, like when they were crawling across. Uh-huh. I was like, that would, that, I don't know how heavy those are, but they look heavy. And we're told they're heavy. That looks like it'd break your fucking neck. They have to be heavy enough to at least throw you off balance. Yeah, I'm guessing probably between like 10 and 15 pounds because we do see one of the bigger guys. I think it might have been Bobby John catch it mm-hmm. and like push it back off of him. Get that thing off me. So it's not like 50 pounds. I don't think he could do that and then no. break your fucking ribs. But like this is fucking dangerous. It's a cool challenge. It's fun to watch and it's cool. But the human element in me that I don't think people cared about as much in 2005 uh-huh. is like these people are going to be maimed. They're in danger a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And weirdly, that's not the part that gets people injured because yeah, uh, James is flying through the course and then he eats shit at the end, like running on the spinning barrels and then just like takes one trying to jump to the next section. Yeah, he hits the hole, and th- thank God they padded the platform. Yeah. But he takes the his full body weight into the ribs, and I was like, ooh. That's also known as the Ethan rule. 
let's pad the platform yeah. if there's going to be any sort of jumping. <laughs> so we, we have Boston Rob, we have Ethan. Look at all the influences we have on Survivor. And then Bobby John also takes a, a hard hit. Like he falls on the spinning barrel section and it kind of like keeps spitting and he's trying to like pull himself up. And then he pulls away and his chest is bleeding. Yeah. Like pretty hard. And those barrels look a little rusty. Hope you have your tetanus shot, Bobby John. No kidding. Um, Bobby John is an unhinged psychopath. <laughs> Bobby John legitimately scares me. <laughs> Why? We'll get through it in the episode. But something about Bobby John makes me believe that he has killed a man just to watch the light leave their eyes. I'm, I'm excited to hear your opinion. In this moment, I did have I, I did write down that he was way too hyped up for this challenge. But I want I want to hear more from you. Also, people in this season hate the water. Every time something frustrating happens, they smack the water. <laughs> get out of my face, water. Uh. And it's not like one person. It's Bobby John always does it, but it's like multiple people on Oolong have done this. Bobby John just likes slapping some water. Anyway, Katie can't get across the swing. That was pathetic. That's the reason why she had to keep doing it is because all she had to do was get onto the platform, get across that swing, and then someone else could go, and she couldn't do it. Wow. Brutal. And then we have a renaissance from Angie here. Yeah, Angie kicks ass. Angie sees the opportunity, knows that her back's a little bit against the wall, and then absolutely dominates for her tribe. She is the first person to get a flag. I think she gets two or three for her tribe. She gets at least two. Yeah. I think it's closer to three or four. And I think that she is the one who pioneers the idea of just, you can take your time, get low, and then they can't really hit you with the sandbags. Yeah. Do you think this challenge would have been closer if Karor had actually slept at all the previous night? Yes, but I still <laughs> think Katie would have been a problem with that swing. Yeah, that's true. But maybe not. All, all it really had to take was get across there once. Yeah. And maybe that little ounce of sleep will get you across. I also think it's really stupid to put your strongest guys throwing the bags. They can't be that heavy. And, like, it doesn't take a lot. Of, like, it's momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You'd want the the more athletic people doing the athletic part of the challenge. I agree, and I did also take note that I think the choices were bad. Yeah, and really, that's on both tribes, so it kind of evens out. Yes, however, <laughs> Oolong has more muscle to spare. Correct. Yeah, and that I think is the key to winning this game. For and we'll Oolong. talk a little bit more about like muscle versus defined muscle. I think in the next challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Oolong wins 10-3 to 3 on collecting those flags. <laughs> and Jeff's like, Karor, go go find your flint. I know where you're going, to yeah. the bottom of the ocean, motherfuckers. We'll figure that out. Oolong's super happy. They win a fishing kit. So they're like, yes, we can go eat. Bobby John, he takes his flint because they also won flint. And he starts that fire immediately. Yeah, He's very good at, at making a fire here. I, I was kind of shocked at how, like, there it is. That he acts like he's on methamphetamines. Oh my god, Jared. <laughs> Why? He he's so intense. And he's and like he's like, yeah, flint, fire, now! Huh, go, 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 go. <sighs> Have you spent much time around like sports bros? No okay, yeah, a little bit. I mean I wrestled in high school and all that. Sure, sure. He doesn't come off to me as a sports bro necessarily. Like when I think of sports bro, I think of like Burton from Pearl Islands, mm-hmm. right? He comes across to me as a violent psychopath. <laughs> oh, I just think he's like hyper competitive and it bleeds into everything. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there's just something off. I don't know. We'll get more into it into the episode because it's really in his confessionals mm. that it sticks out to me. Okay. Jeff goes and fishes and he catches some little baby fishes. But what was cool is he thought. Hey, I see this giant clam. That thing was fucking huge. Let me bring it up. And it was huge. And they fed their tribe on that giant clam. Which is also a little silly because, like, you didn't you didn't need fishing gear to do that. You didn't. Well. You just had to think of it. It helps to have the. Oh, the mask. The yeah, mask. that's true. Yeah. I guess Which you do need the mask. Also would have been super helpful for Karor because they're going <laughs> to find their flint. And boy, does did they pick a bad time to go do it? Thank God for Ian. Had not they had Ian, 
I think they wouldn't have got this. Also, I don't understand why they were worrying about getting the entire box up. Like, just open the crate. Or I guess maybe then you're worried about losing the flint. I would have been super worried about losing that flint. Yeah, I guess. I think you have a, a bigger target had you gotten the the whole box. And once you get that up, then you're like, fine, whatever. Do what we want with it. But had they taken it out of the box prior to transporting, they would have lost everything. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking from the bottom of the ocean, though. Like, try to open it and, like, grab it. Yeah. I think I think they were all a little on edge. I don't blame them. Because I don't think the show was going to give them Flint if they lost this yeah. for good. Ian tries his best, and he keeps going down. They search for a while, and even from the shore, they're like, that's not where we lost it. And but, they do find it. But then it was where they then lost it. Then it was where they lost it. And... Ian has to go down four or five times trying to hook this rope around the, the the handle. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to like tie it to the handle or if he was trying to like just go around the box and bring it up. Hmm. But eventually he gets it through the handle so that they can just like yeet it up as well as they can. And again, props. I don't think I could have done this. No, at I'm, all. No, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm an okay swimmer, not that good. Yeah, and then <laughs> Ian's super happy about it. Even though we lost the challenge, we won the day. Sure. Which is two for two on that one. Yeah. The the team that loses the challenge <laughs> is actually having a better day. So this season, you should just lose every challenge. <laughs> also, these tribes are a little... They're, they're very reminiscent of Pearl Islands to me. Like, Karor feels very top-heavy in the way that Drake felt very top-heavy, mm. where, like, you have a couple of people that... Are, that I think are going to be challenge beasts. Like you have Ian, you have Tom, and then some people that aren't as athletic, but they can get by. Sure. And they're, they have better team cohesion and they work better together versus more the Morgan slash Oolong, a bunch of muscle freaks that don't know what to do except compete with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I see, I see the comparison there. Yeah. So Oolong eats their clam. Ashley doesn't want any of it and just kind of like goes into the shelter alone and this digs her grave. Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's one shovel full of dirt. Mm -hmm. But she just keeps digging the whole rest of the episode. She basically says in her confessional she didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. Which is even more insulting because there's two people who didn't get to play the game that came all the way to Palau. Correct. That, and that hurts. Yeah. Imagine you're the older lady that didn't get picked and you're like, you watch that episode, you're like, oh, cool. So you got to have a six day stay where I could have actually tried. Great. And this is the part where I'm like, I get it, Jeff. People, quitters hurt the game and they hurt what's going on. But it, it is kind of good TV. But if it becomes a habit, like you always have quitters, then it, it does. It's a problem. Yeah. And it's not fun to watch. And then while this is happening, Ashley goes and like sleeps alone. And then Kim and Jeff are like, you know what? Oh, I'm kind of tired yeah. here. I, I want to go to you. You want to go to bed too? Uh, oh, what okay. a coincidence. That's great. Let's, let's go to bed. And they do. And they snuggle. This is okay. So this is the Bobby John confessional that makes me go tilt my head and go, hmm. And then the following ones make me go, oh, and there's nothing specific in them. Like, it's hard to point out, like, one specific thing. But he's his eyes freak me out, first of all. Like, he looks like he's looking for somebody to kill. But not, like, on the island, like, through the camera. I'm sorry if you're listening, Bobby John, somehow. This is very mean, I know. <laughs> there's just something a little off. Where, like, he'll be like, you know, Ashley, I get it. But, you know, sometimes we all have to do things we don't want to do. That's just how life is. And I don't know why that rang me as, like, a a weird sentiment in that moment with her just, like, going to bed. But it felt very, like, almost – I'm not saying he's a sociopath. But that statement and the way he said it and the tone almost felt a little sociopathic of me of, like, I've been doing things I don't want to for years. You should, too, or I will snap. I see what you're saying. And I want to think that part of the problem is that we are at the end of your first wind in Survivor, that they really haven't had food, they really haven't had water this far into the game. And I don't think the brain's totally there. I think hyperbole aside, he's probably 
just really high strung mm-hmm. and really competitive. Yeah. And has a weird disregard for his own body where he can be bleeding and just not even look at it. That that I was like, oh my god. And not care at all. It was it was like puncture wounds yeah. too. And they're just like bleeding out of his his chest in multiple locations. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, wake up. Learn Morse code, buddy. It's kind of cool that it was Morse code. It is kind of cool. And it was fun. We got to see Oolong kind of like split up the paper and like, you learn these letters. You learn these letters. So I have a theory. Uh-huh. Because we only see Oolong looking at the Morse code. We don't see Karor interact with it at all. Uh-huh. I think someone on Karor already knew Morse code. It was probably Ian. And so they didn't want to show that. I could see Tom also maybe. I don't know as a firefighter it would come in super handy, but Well, he could also be ex-military. That is also what I was thinking. Like yeah. there could be something in there. So I like my conspiracy theory, I mean not conspiracy cuz not like the show would know, but like that somebody on Karor already knew it and they didn't want to have another like they wanted to keep the suspense in there. They didn't want to be like, "Oh shit, well that they're going to fucking win then." I also don't think it was a very difficult puzzle at the end of that challenge. That's true. I did not know they were going to have the word written there mm-hmm. for them to match the letters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't as big of a deal. And it's a tough one to play with because if they just don't know it, then... I think that's way too hard. Then it's super hard and you're just... You can't finish the puzzle. Yeah. But giving them the answer and saying, all right, now just play around with these. I think it should have just been something longer and they had the Morse code there. Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather it be, like, an entire phrase or a sentence. Oh, And yeah. they're trying to match it to... And, like, maybe have, like, the alphabet out of order to make it take a little longer, right? I got it. Here's the, here's the thing. Is you can do it... If you can do it straight up, like, give them the sheet in advance, mm. great. Make it longer. But if they can do it straight up, great. If not... Put the key really far away so oh. that they would have to, as punishment, go look at it, and then it would take time and energy to do it. That's smart. I like that a lot. And I will say so far, three challenges in, these are good challenges. These are good challenges. It really does feel like Vanuatu had a budget deficit between All-Stars and Palau. Yeah. Even in the filming, like the the definition of this season, I mean, that could be, that could be like, you know, uh, it's been cleaned up more because maybe Palau's more popular season than Vanuatu was. I don't know. But, like, I I noted in Vanuatu that the visual quality dropped off from All-Stars to Vanuatu, and now it's back up. Mm-hmm. That could also be a camera equipment. Like, it feels like all of their money went into All-Stars. Vanuatu's an afterthought, and now we're back, baby. That makes sense. Yeah, I could absolutely see that because you just transitioned the camera equipment, and you're still good. Yeah. Yeah, we're always improving. Like I said, the immunity challenge, super cool. You have to pull a foot locker, which I I know was a word outside of the store, but still he- <laughs> hearing it out of context, I was like, what? Huh? Okay. They're, they're pulling a foot locker. They have to like dive down, pull this thing across the bottom of the ocean until they release a buoy that says, you're good. Go ahead, which they release and you would have to grab eight pieces. They're like food ration tins. Yeah. Yep. And meskits. You, meskits. Okay, yeah, you would take those back to shore. They had Morse code on it, and you decode the Morse word, yeah. which was immunity, which, again, has two double letters. Yeah. So you're like, hmm, okay. If it's not this, it's this. Yeah. Super easy to figure out. At first, Willard kind of slows down Karor because everyone— Go, go ha- get him. Yeah. We've seen in other seasons people go back and help a slow swimmer. Like, everyone's just sitting at the boat being like, come on, Willard. Let's go. and Rescue him. Yeah, they just kind of leave him behind. So Oolong has a little bit of a, an advantage here, so they get some time to go down, figure it out. But they're not very good at dragging this footlocker. Yeah, and that's something I think we need to talk about that we I, I haven't thought about before, but this is the starkest contrast. Oolong has a lot of people that look strong. Mm-hmm. Looking strong does not mean you're strong. Sure. Like, I would bet that Tom, pound for pound, is the strongest person on this season because he works a very active job with active training. Like, I don't know Ibrahim's profession. I don't know how he got a fucking eight-pack. We saw him climb a tree, so obviously, ripped. obviously he's he is ripped. He is strong. But he's not a good swimmer. And, he like, that doesn't mean he has endurance. 
Like, just because you're strong doesn't mean... Like, you can pick up something heavy, mm-hmm. but can you last a long time? Like, the, there's a lot of, like, more blue-collar, like, strength in Karor. Sure. And I think that's a little undervalued. And Ian is also such a good swimmer that anything in the water, he is the best at immediately. Yeah. But even Tom was really good at this yeah. going down. I think what won it for Karor was the ability to hold your breath for yeah. more than 20 seconds. Because that's where I saw Oolong struggle is they would get down there. They would tug like one or two t- quick tugs on the rope and then they would panic and go back up. And and I think that has something to do with that endurance, with that cardio mm-hmm. of, you know, they, they've burnt themselves out on really high burst exercises or in this on a high burst exercise pulling that box and don't can't catch their breath. Yeah. You don't have to be Boston Rob like jumping down underwater and holding it for two minutes at a time and they're like very few people are very few people can do that and that's okay but being down there and getting one quick tug doesn't help you in this challenge they uh karor had a buddy system that i don't really understand what it did jeff was complimenting it too and i'm like i don't think that's working no i don't think it's actually helping they were trying to pull together but it kind of looked like they were just getting in each other's way the only way i think it could have helped was if you are getting the slack rope out of the way Mm -hmm. i don't know that's what they were doing but i was like yeah you only one person can put their feet on the box and fucking pull yeah you don't have any leverage if somehow you could if somehow you could keep momentum going and like not let it skid across the bottom but even still it would be hard to get each other, like, time that up right. Yeah, it's not like you can put your feet on the people in front of you to use as leverage because then you're just yanking the rope between their legs. Like, yeah. there's, no, there's no good situation there. Yeah, anyway, Karor wins, and it was funny. I watched Jeff walk across the answer and hold the card right in front of everyone's face. So even if they didn't get it right the first time, they were for sure getting it right the second time because <laughs> they could just look at what Jeff is looking at. Well, and let's be honest, by that point, it was over. It was over. Like, Oolong didn't have their footlocker yet. No. And they weren't going to. They weren't going to. You could have given them an hour. I don't think they were going to get it. Yep. It also makes me wonder, and I was trying to, because Oolong's looked heavier, and I don't think I don't think it was, but I was, actually, I am thinking about it now, and you have these really big, strong people. If you do, if you pull it too hard, you're going to block the crate with a bunch of, like, you're going to basically have it dig a hole as it pulls all in one instead of a bunch of smaller ones. That could be why it got stuck. If you have Ibrahim going down there and yanking it like a madman, and it, sure, you get, like, three to five feet off of it, but now you have three to five feet of dirt stuck in front of it at one time. I would hope that the mechanism that Survivor built wouldn't let that happen, but I could see it being a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like these challenges, so they're fun to uh, they're fun to, to talk break about. down. Yeah. yeah. Last seasons were kind of mid. It's better than like skipping through it and being like, all right, let's talk about the other stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we get back to Oolong and they have to run to a cave. They have to hide from the rain and that really the only reason i mention it is because that that sparks them going off in different directions talking about strategy i didn't quite understand why they had to run off to save their fire like you have flint and bobby john got it in one second unless he didn't and that was just careful editing mm-hmm. but i don't think i don't you could let it go out yeah it seems like it was they were worried it was going to be a big problem and yeah. then it wasn't a big problem so it kind of isolated angie james and stephanie to be like Let's get Kim out. Like, we have to. It's she. She has someone like tied to her. She doesn't seem like that much of a challenge. Like, isn't helping us on the challenge. She's the only one that didn't go underwater at yeah. all. So, which I mean, and to some to some extent, I don't blame her. Like, if you feel like you're gonna get in the way, mm-hmm. then stay out of the way. Yep. And then we have another camp that's trying to get Ashley out because Ashley has fallen apart physically and mentally because Ashley wants to go home. Yeah. That is like from her confessional, I would not be surprised if she was asking people to send her home and we weren't being shown that. And Stephanie was trying to hold her hostage. The way this episode plays out, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, all right, we pick either one of these two. And then she's like, no, you should pick me, pick me because it does feel like, suddenly there was a shift where it was the vote was not as close as it should have been. Yeah, it was going to be 4-4, but like, what was it? 6-2? 6-1-1. Oh, right, 6-1-1. Somebody voted for Jeff. 
And that's also the thing. Ashley voted for Jeff. Ashley voted for Jeff. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't even track who it was. Mm-hmm. And also, when I did see Jeff's name pop up, it made me, uh, it reminded me of the Game Changers Survivor episode where they keep <laughs> voting for the host, Sam. And I, like, because I forgot there was a contestant named Jeff. I was mm-hmm. like, no, Jeff is the host. That's the, they're voting for Jeff Probst. That's not going to count. Uh, Jeff does not count. <laughs> I am Jeff. And then we have a little bit of a power struggle and Kim catches wind and is like pushing everyone and going around like, James, tell me who you're voting for. If it's me, that's fine. But I want to know that you're voting for me. And James is like, yeah, sure. I'll tell you. Wink. (laughs) That wink had to be like a playful wink. Because like, why else are you like... What are you doing, James? <laughs> if you're going to lie to them, you don't tell them you're lying to them. I don't think he was lying to him. I don't think he was lying, but he was definitely trying to avoid saying, I am voting for you. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't. But he was thinking about it. Anyway, Tribal, this is the redemption for Angie. Angie's like, yeah, not so weak anymore. Huh. Survive one vote. Yeah. Survive one vote, baby. At least in the early game. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then we get into, like, it slowly shifts... To Jeff Probst being like, hey. You two fucking? Yeah. So you're a couple. You don't see that as a problem? Insane to me that they don't. That either they don't or they think that that is a convincing lie. No, no. uh, We cuddle with lots of people. There's no alliances being built at all. Anywhere in this tribe. We just like uh, being close to each other and talking to each other and hanging out with each other and cuddling. Oh, oh, (laughs) this might be a problem. And voting together, weird. This is one of those times I actually wish Jeff would would have been a little more direct. Mm-hmm. Like, because they were dodging the question, so I kind of wanted him to be like, so if, if push came to shove, you would vote each other off. Mm-hmm. And I think Probst was just baffled by the whole thing. Like, yeah. he was, this is so early. Why would you do this? Like, this is, it's gaslighting. It's literally gaslighting. You're a liability. And like, nah. Nah, I'll be fine. We're, we're great. <laughs> It's funny because I'm watching Stephanie, who's one of the stars of that tribe. Stephanie and Angie are like the two that stick out to me on this tribe now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Stephanie's good at the game. She seems incredibly stubborn. That is fair. She's the only person that votes for Kim. That is also fair. What? what? <laughs> you just stuck your stuck your fucking neck out again. She does. She seems like someone who is going is going to make the plan going to go with the plan nobody else is going with this plan i'm still going with the plan aggressive is the word that comes to mind be and aggressive I, be be i'm also aggressive so i can see it <laughs> i can identify it cool anything else at tribal before i go to the vote no it, it the tribal is not even about who gets voted off no like i said it's ashley's gone on a 611 vote and her confessional is really funny. She's like, if I would have known that I was going home this early, I would have cuddled with Ibrahim. Because he's a cutie. Ibrahim, it would not surprise me if Ibrahim was gay. What in the world gave you that? Um, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't know his sexuality, but quiet, big, muscly guy that is incredibly pretty and well manicured. It would at least it at least makes you question, which would make that statement funnier. Otherwise, I wouldn't have thought about it. But when she put it in my head, I went, wait a minute. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I, d- I don't really have any information on Ashley. It seems like she would prefer it that way. There's probably some out there, but I just and I didn't feel the need to dig that hard on someone who didn't feel the need to like. She basically quit. Yeah. Quitting without quitting. Yeah. Like she. She let them vote her off, but yeah, she she quit playing the game. Yeah. So I guess for that question, I don't think Ashley should be on Survivor. Like, I don't, like, how she would do in a future season. I The only thing I'll give her credit for is, like, this seems like a pretty physically demanding season already. All three of these challenges have been very difficult. Nobody has any food. And sure, maybe in, like an easier season by physical conditions. This is part of the risk survivor runs. Like if you, you want to discourage quitting, understand why I don't want to see people give up when their backs against the wall, Mm -hmm. 
But the more physically demanding you make a season, the more likely someone is to quit. So you have to ride that balance. So yeah, I don't think that she she should be on again. I don't know that she should have been on here. It doesn't really seem like she did much of anything. And I think she's probably usually a first a first boot. Yeah. And <laughs> protagonist episode, I agree with you. It is Angie. Yep. This is Angie's redemption story. And the fact that she gets one at all, I think... Well, first of all, it is compelling, but also could mean that Angie stays around a while. Oh, okay. And I think Angie's pretty compelling. I agree. Here we go. Here's the one tidbit of information we have on Ashley. Got married and has two kids. Cool. Nice. Have a happy life beyond Survivor. I hope yeah. that for everyone. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not everyone who's on Survivor has to go and like commit their lives to being a public-facing person no, forever. No, by all means. I want real people on the show. I agree. I want one, I want real people who aren't going to quit, but I want real people. <laughs> I don't want an entire cast of people who are just trying to make this, use this as a stepping stone to go be in Hollywood. So you don't want all-stars. Bumper. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Jared, it feels good to be back in the swing of things. Yeah, it's funny because once we get to the end of a season, like starting a season and beginning a season are the hardest parts of <laughs> running this podcast. I agree. Because there's so much content backloaded and so much content frontloaded. But then once we get into the episode twos, threes, fours, and onwards until the finale... It feels very homey. It feels very nice. It does. Back to like a regular schedule. And it's fun to just get into a new season and see the new social dynamics, see how the game changes and evolves. Yeah. And it's, it is fun. Once again, knowing things and having you be a little bit on the outs. Yeah. I'm interested how many of my, so, so on this episode, things that could age well or incredibly poorly, uh, loving James, mm-hmm. thinking Bobby John's a psychopath, mm-hmm. Stephanie, Enjoying Stephanie, but worried that she's going to be too controlling, and eventually that will get her head chopped off. And the what? What do I want to call this? The the blue collar strength of uh, of Karor. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Anything you'd like to promote? Yes. Uh, our posting and GoFundMe just went live for my theater company, Second Production. So if you were here in the Chicagoland area, April 9th will be the re- uh, the staged reading. If you are an actor, are submissions up on theaterinchicago.com and if you have like five dollars to donate and want to help us out because we're not a non-profit yet we're waiting on the irs which is always a <laughs> fun thing uh which means we can't do like grants or corporate donations or anything like that until then that is on gofundme under when she went to mantua or oh. black cat theater okay neat i have two things to promote okay one if you need an mc for a future event I am now a seasoned veteran on this. And if you only have one foot of space, he'll make it work. I will make it work. I'm a, I can I can shimmy across that stage, baby. But also, I started a show. If you like musicals and animation, I was watching Has Been Hotel. It's good things. It's it's good. I think it's a little too heavy on the hell has to be like gross and disgusting yeah. and and into the the swears. Like there are so many curses in. Yeah. Which, like, I get it. You're establishing it's not a great place to be. But also, like, eh. the the music, however, slaps. A lot of it is really good. Nice. And I think the story is compelling, too. Okay. So, yeah, good. it's on Amazon Prime. So check that out if you like musicals. We didn't even talk about the fact that you started Baldur's Gate 3. I did, yeah. I started Baldur's Gate 3. That was my my purchase for MC. I got paid. So nice. I was like, let me, let me play Baldur's Gate. Oh, I'm so excited. Jared's, uh, so Jared's a happy dad on this one. It's such a good game. Yeah. I'm only a few hours in, but I can see that this is going to be fun. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. My host Steven, this is Jared. I need some tea. I'll give you some tea. Um, okay, so I have a friend that they... You have to cut me off. I don't, I can't, I don't want to say tea on the podcast. <laughs> Bye-bye. I was going to let you do it.